Well, let me tell you uh, just kind of the direction we're going to go today, what my goal is. Uh, certainly, we want to uh, stir up some gratitude because uh, of, of all that God has done and leading into this week. But more than anything, I, I, I do want to stir you up today. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what it is that you're stirring up. Uh, if you stirred up a hornet's nest, anybody ever done that before? Uh, not such a good thing. I haven't done that with a hornet's nest, but I, I do remember in college sitting down on some bleachers, I think, maybe after playing tennis or something, and stirred up a wasp nest, and they let me know really quickly that they did not want me there. I was getting stung left and right. That was not a lot of fun. Uh, so that's not a good thing to stir up, but... You ever had a can of paint that you opened, took the lid off of, and it just looks completely useless, and then you stir it up and get it mixed back up again, and you realize, you know what, this stuff can actually be used for its intended purpose, it just needed to be stirred up a little bit. Uh, so it can be either good or bad. I hope today that we're not stirring up a hornet's nest. I hope to be uh, that, that we'll stir something good up. And I, I use that phrase because I've been thinking about Hebrews 10, 24, which says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Uh, you know, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is from time to time, read different translations of the Bible. Because this is a verse I was very familiar with and I was used to, uh, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Word love and good deeds. So um, that, that just hearing a different phrase sometimes helps you see it from a different perspective. And I saw that stir one another up. Uh, that, that's, that's a good way. That's a good uh, term there and a good way to think about it. And that's the goal today is that we would be able to stir one another up a little bit. Um, sometimes the methods that we use for that can be better than others. Again, going back to the college days, I remember you know, a group of guys and we we're wanting to grow in our faith. And we're like, let's Hold each other accountable. Let's stir one another up toward love and good deeds. And specifically, it was around Ephesians 4.29, which says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And, you know, that is a difficult verse to live out. And so we're going to hold each other accountable. So if one of us is complaining about something or speaking negatively about someone or something, here's what we're going to do. The other ones have been given a license to just punch them in the arm as hard as they want, right? We had a lot of bruises in our, in our home, uh, maybe stopped saying some of the things that we should have been saying. I don't know that that's the best method. The, the intent probably was good. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend that unless you're teenage guys, then it probably does work. Um, but maybe a better way to do that is to just set the example. So you know, we need those examples in our lives to, to help us to grow. And that's been a big emphasis, a big theme for us this year, 2023. Our theme as a church has been deeper. How do we go deeper in our faith? How do we encourage one another in that? And um, that's one of those things. It's hard to measure spiritual growth. You know, it just is. Um, but just hearing stories and seeing things and, and hearing people talk about um, you know, going deeper in their prayer lives, to see people involved in a Bible reading plan uh, that we've been doing as a church. I know that's been a good thing, a way for spiritual growth to happen. Anytime we can get in the Word, we're, we're going to most likely grow from that if our hearts are, are in the right place. Um, we have seen people get involved in ministries and connect groups at a greater level. Uh, still, obviously, there's room to grow uh, there, and we want everybody, if you're not involved in some kind of small group, you need to be. We want everybody connected there. 
uh, but that is a good indication of spiritual growth. Uh, certainly the, the way that we are able to pray together, the things that we can address. I mean, we just finished the book of Revelation, which uh, came out of that desire to grow deeper in our faith as well. So a lot of things that have led to that. But in addition to seeing us grow deeper, I think we've also, in fact, I know we've also grown wider. We've seen our church grow numerically. Those things are a little bit easier sometimes to quantify. And as we move into the new year in 2024, uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about that. How do we continue to, to grow in that respect? How do we reach more people? Because that is a huge task that God has given us. And to give you a little insight, and this will kind of tie into where, where I want to go, I want to present a, a, an encouragement and a challenge today, and then we're going to get into Scripture and talk about some principles that should guide us as we uh, take this challenge together. But um, just to give you some idea, like we've got some attendance figures to give you a little history of our church so that you can see just kind of numerically um, how many people. This is the best of our ability, how many different unique bodies are here on a Sunday morning. Going back to 2022 and then five-year increments with the exception of I wanted you to see from last year to this year where we're at. So you can see from 2022 to 2017, it's kind of flat. I mean, there was some up and down, and uh, but just not a whole lot of overall growth from that uh, from 2012, I said 2022, from 12 to 17, from 17 to 22, you see that numerically the church began to grow more. There's, again, a lot of this with COVID, you know, everything dipping and coming back. But um, when things kind of normalized a little bit from last year to this year, you can see that we have had a significant amount of numerical growth. And the reason I share that with you is because when we see that, we have to ask the question, how do, we, how do we continue to reach people? Because that's the goal. And quite frankly, I believe churches should be growing spiritually, growing in depth, and numerically. I think we should be doing both of those, and that's the goal. That is our goal as a church. We want to do both of those. Um, in a location like ours, there are so many people moving to this community. In fact, some of you probably are fairly new to the area um, if our church is not growing, something's wrong because there are a lot of new people coming here and that's not slowing down anytime soon. The building is continuing to happen. Uh, neighborhoods are continuing to pop up and be built out and some of them just right around the corner with thousands of homes. And um, so, you know, that's a, that's a good opportunity for us to continue reaching. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what that brings for us. But it also presents some challenges. We sent out a survey to those that uh, volunteer in our church uh, two, three months ago and just said, we want you to rate us on different areas of health in the church. And then we asked for feedback. And a lot of the feedback that we got was, you know, along what are some of the challenges we're facing. It was, we're growing and that's a good thing, but it presents some challenges. And that's exactly right. There are some challenges that come. The more people that are here, the more people we need to serve them, right? So um, having enough volunteers is always a challenge. And I would encourage you, if you've not found a place to plug in, we need you. We really do need everybody finding their, their place of service, um, and, and we'd love to walk you through all the different opportunities. If you just want to know a couple, like, what's at the top of the list, I'll tell you, children's ministry is always at the top of the list of ways to serve, uh, even things behind the scenes like audiovisual, you know, people that are running things back there and up in booths and stuff uh, that don't often get seen, and, uh, but there's a need there and, and, and across the board. But we need people to plug in, but then... There are other challenges that come that are just space-related, right? Just you got to have room for people. And with that in mind, we have 
been in process. We've reworked our master plan. We have some plans met with an architect this week, plans for a next phase of expansion and what that will look like. And we don't have any timetables yet on when that's going to happen. But just to know we're, we're, we're starting to talk through those because we're getting to the point where space is becoming an issue. We have enough room to do what we need to do right now. That's not going to last for long. But we have enough room for right now with one exception. And you know what the one exception to the right now is? It's parking. We, we have a challenge with parking. Tim's over there nodding his head. Yes, Tim. Because he leads our parking team. Um, we do. And that's a good thing. It's a good challenge to have. We want that. Uh, we want to have people coming on campus. Um, but you can look and see, you know, right out back behind me here, there are a whole lot of cars parked on the grass. And I'm thankful for a team that is helping us to do that. And, but that's not a long-term solution, right? I mean, there are bad weather days. And that's just not, that's not the long-term solution. So our most immediate project that we are taking on is a parking lot. And we have plans in place uh, to add, I think, a little over 30 spaces over here on the north side, a little less than 70 over here on the south side. So a total of about 100 new spaces uh, that we'll be working on just as soon as we can. I mean, we're in touch with the city and working with engineers and the whole thing. We've got, we've got it all coming. Uh, we are still waiting to get back from them exact cost of, you know, the exact amount of what it's going to cost, but we have an initial estimate our estimate for 100 spaces, about half a million dollars. It's expensive to build parking. And the reason it's expensive, we're going to have to do a lot of dirt work and, you know, move some water and sewer lines in addition to just the concrete and things that are expensive as well. Now, I share that with you just to say I know that's not real exciting to think about spending that much money on a parking line. But um, there are some things, you know, it's just some things you just have to do. And uh, although it may not be the most exciting thing in the world, it needs to be done. And so let, let me give you the, the stir one another up to love and good works part. This is the encouragement and, and why I started on that note. And then we'll, we'll jump further into our passage here in just a moment. Um, we have a family in our church that knew the need for this project that just came to me and said, we want to encourage generosity among the church. And so if we need about $500,000, we're going to start that with a $200,000 gift. So we have a really good running start already. And here's the ask this morning, is that you would fund the rest of that gap, that extra $300,000 that our church family would step up and just year in giving between now and the, the end of the year, that we'd be able to fund all of that just out of donations that go specifically for that. Now, let me just be totally honest with you and very transparent with you and tell you this. We have enough money in reserves that we could pay for this project without any additional giving. Our budget's in good shape. You know, we're, we're, we're actually slightly ahead of where we need to be budget-wise for the year. Now, you might say, why in the world are you telling us? Is it telling us that if you're trying to encourage us to give? One is just because I want to be completely transparent with you. But two, it's because we're not that far from needing to go into a next phase of building again. You know, we know that that is coming. The more we can hold on to our cash reserves, the better. It just puts us in a better place for the future. So if we're able to cover all of this just out of, you know, uh, saying, people saying, hey, we, we want to fund this so that it doesn't touch anything else, that puts us in a good place. And so that's what I'm asking of you today. But even more than that, and I want you to hear me very clearly on this, especially those of you that are new to Gateway. It's kind of a weird Sunday to come in for the first time, right? I get that. I'm always aware of that when we have a message like this. 
yes, I want to build a parking lot. But more than, and I want you to be generous in all areas of your life. But the bigger concern is I want you to grow spiritually. I, I want your, your heart to be in a place where God is doing something through this process. And that's why I've chosen the passage for us today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You can start finding your way there. Um, let me give a little background before I read it. Uh, this passage, to set the scene a little bit, is it's talking about the church in Macedonia participating in a collection for the purpose of feeding starving Christians. Okay? Now, I get that that's a little different context. Here we have people taking up a collection to feed people that literally were possibly going to die without that. And what I'm talking about is I want you to donate to a parking lot. I get that there are some differences there. However, there are some principles that really translate. And the first one is just simply the heart behind the giving. That's what I want us to focus on. I want us to focus on what is our heart supposed to be like? What does God do in us through our generosity? And then the second thing is I just want to remind you, building a parking lot is not about building a parking lot. Building a parking lot is about having the opportunity to reach people and remove barriers for people to really be able to take in all that God has for them. Because if we don't have a place for people to park, Quite honestly, word gets out, you know, Gateway's a great church, but it's a real hassle to go there, and you can't ever find a place to park. You know, that's a challenge. That, that's going to limit our ability to reach people. Or if people do show up, and in spite of the fact that we have an amazing, happy parking lot team out there directing them and telling them where to go, if they still come and it's a frustrating experience because there's really not a good place to park, then they're coming in and they're frustrated and they're, maybe there's some walls up. Listen, our goal is that by the time you get in here, that we have been very intentional about dropping walls, not building walls. Right? We want to eliminate any potential barriers for God to be able for us to just meet with God and worship God and hear from God and connect with God, and we don't want anything to get in the way of that. So um, it's important, but it's the principles behind the generosity that I want us to focus on today. So let's start reading 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Isn't it interesting how many times he talks about grace? In a passage where he's talking about their generosity, really the emphasis is on grace. I love the definition of grace. I've shared this before, but it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, grace, when we hear grace, probably the first place our mind goes is to salvation. Right? The Bible says it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Um, and that's true, and that, that should be the first place we go. And I want to be very clear about that. If, if you find yourself in a place where you're not sure that you have a relationship with God, it is all by God's grace. Jesus gave his life for us as a sacrifice for us. He died in our place on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. 
That's why he shed his blood. And because Christ has satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf, that means we can be forgiven. We don't have to pay for our own sins. That means by faith in Jesus, we can receive forgiveness. We can receive salvation. We can be brought into God's family. We can have a place prepared in heaven for us, whatever you want to call it. We are made right with God by grace through faith. And if there's not been a time where you've come to a point of trust, faith is just trust of saying, Jesus, I know I can't save myself, but I believe you died for me. And I want to trust you. I want to give my heart to you. That's the most important thing today. We want you to experience God's grace in that way. But you know that grace doesn't end once we commit our lives to Christ. Grace is for every day. The grace of God is for living out our faith as well. So the first principle that that I want us to pull from this passage is that we experience God's riches when we give. It says that it talks about the riches of God's grace. That's the point. We experience God's riches in a different way. Now, I need to explain that sentence, we experience God's riches when we give, because you take that and, and just isolate it, and that could go really weird. That could go into prosperity gospel and give $100, and God will give you back 1000 kind of a thing. That's not at all what I mean by that statement. What I mean is that there are aspects of who God is, the riches of God's character, that we experience in unique ways when we're trusting Him with our material resources. You know, our, our generosity opens the door for us to experience different parts of God's character. And those of us that identify ourselves as followers of Jesus, our goal is to be like Christ, right? This means yes, okay, yes. Our goal is to be like Jesus, right? That's what we're after. Jesus was absurdly generous. And he continually just poured himself out. And generosity is not just about material things. I want to be very clear about that. It's about loving people deeply. It's about serving others. It's about being selfless. But if we do those things and we miss the material component, we're missing something. We're missing an opportunity uh, that, that I, I think we've kind of missed out on as a church by and large. Because I know anytime we talk about generosity or giving, it, it, there's, it's a touchy subject and people question motives and what are they really after and that kind of thing. Um, and because of that, sometimes we shy away from it and we don't talk about it. And we don't talk about it real often here at all at our church, but it is important to talk about some because it's a matter of growing in our faith. It's, it's a discipleship issue. It's bottom line. You know, that's my desire for you is I want to see you grow in your faith. I want to grow in my faith. Let's grow together. And there are a lot of different things that will help us to grow in our faith. But one of them that maybe gets overlooked the most is our giving. It's our generosity. It's, it's, it's a way for us to grow. And looking back in my own life, I just feel like I've seen God step up in this area of my life in ways that are unique from others. You know, thinking back to trusting, what does it look like to trust God with your resources, especially when those resources are a lot slimmer than you'd like, you know, especially early out. I mean, Sean and I got married the day we graduated from college. Moved to the area, started seminary. She's working full-time, so we're paying for school. Um, I'm working a part-time job. I mean, we're making about $30,000 a year combined between the two of us. 
paying for seminary, you know, paying expenses. And we just had committed from day one, we're going to tithe because we believe that's what God wants us to do. And I share that just because of all the ways God showed up during that season. You know, all the different ways that we always say, oh, my gosh, God provided here and he provided there. And I don't think we would have had the opportunity to experience that. And then it continued on when we had kids and and we both agreed that um, the, the next step for her in that season was to stay home. And so now it's, again, scary. How are you going to you know, raise a family and, and all that with limited uh, resources? And God, again, God has always provided and, and always does. And, and I just say that to say. That's some of the biggest encouragement in my own spiritual journey of times where I know that God showed up. And, and uh, there's something about being in that place of, of trusting God that, you know, allows us to grow in our faith. Second principle that I see in this passage is that giving is more about attitude than ability. It's more about attitude than ability. The church that's described here in Macedonia It says in verse 2, was in a severe test of affliction. And then it talked about their extreme poverty. But they were incredibly generous because of their their attitude about it. They, They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And you know the most natural thing to do when you're going through what is described here as a severe test of affliction, the most natural thing to do is to turn inward. It's to shut everybody else out and to focus on ourselves and our own problems. And guys, I just had to tell you, I've seen this time after time after time. And that's not to minimize the legitimacy of the pain that you experience when you go through a hard time. But the worst thing in the way, maybe the most natural thing to do, but the worst thing we can do is to turn inward. Because now all we're focused on is ourselves and our pain, right? And our difficulty. The best thing we can do is to have an other's focus, an outward focus. And so this church, even though they were in a severe test of affliction, and even though they had extreme poverty, they insisted. In fact, it says uh, in verse 4, they were begging earnestly to be a part of this um, offering that was being taken up for people in need. And I just love that mindset. It just says, you know, it's about the attitude. It's not about how much they were able to give. It was about their heart behind it. And that's still true. And we know that from Jesus, who, you know, you think about the story of the widow who gave everything she had. She didn't give very much materially, but he commended her because her heart was one of trust and generosity. And then you read what it says in verse 2, and there's this crazy formula uh, that, he, that he talks about because it says that um, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in wealth of generosity. So here's the formula. Abundant joy plus extreme poverty equals wealth of generosity. Not wild. You, you, you mix joy with extreme poverty, and you get wealth of generosity because they just insisted on being a part of what God was doing. That's where their heart was. Now, these people were extremely poor, but they had so much joy that they wanted to give generously. Again, I, I mentioned this just a second ago, but verse 4, where it says they were begging for the opportunity. Now, this is me reading between the lines a little bit. We don't know this for sure, but I suspect that it's possible Paul was hesitant to ask them to participate because he knew their extreme poverty. Makes me think of when, when we would take mission trips to places like Kenya, extreme poverty. And you go into the homes of people who have nothing and want to give you what little bit they have. And it's incredibly awkward. I, you don't want it. It's like, I don't want to receive that because I know 
what a sacrifice that is. But at the same time, it's robbing their joy not to. Um, and, and so you, you do. But their desire to be a, a part of this is amazing. And, and it says in verse 3 that they, um, they gave according to their means. He says, as I can testify, and even beyond their means. I just confess to you that one of my struggles is um, the, the, the perceived need for everything to make logical sense in my mind before I'm ready to proceed. Anybody else wired that way? Things just need to make sense. And if you say something that isn't logical, I'm probably going to tilt my head a little bit and look at you and try to figure out. That didn't make sense to me. Like, I got to figure it out, right? Everything needs to be logical in my brain, which is different. It may be logical and just not in my brain. But, but I, I want to understand. I want to plan. And, you know, the Bible speaks to the importance of um, clarity and planning. It's not saying just be foolish and never have a plan at all. No, it, we should plan. And when it comes to finances and things like that, you know, we should have a plan. We should know what we're doing. But sometimes God goes beyond logic. Yeah, it seems to be that that was the case here. He says they, they gave according to their ability, but even beyond their ability, in a way that didn't make sense. It was illogical, but it was God-led. And I read that and think, that's how I want to be. Right? I, help me, God, to not just have to follow logic all the time, but to be spirit-led. That when, when the Spirit says, I want to move you in this direction, whatever it is, it could be an area of giving or it could be an area of sharing my faith or whatever, but just follow that lead, not be so influenced by everything having to make perfect sense in my mind. Third thing that I see in this passage uh, comes out of verse 5, and that is that we must give ourselves to God first. In verse 5, he said, this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I, I, I love the transparency here because he's kind of saying, look, they surprised us. I think what he expected was they would give themselves first to him out of love for him and, and, you know, loyalty to him. But he said, no, they gave themselves to the Lord first. And, guys, that is so, so important in every area of our lives. That's especially important when it comes to our giving, that we are giving ourselves first to God. I mean, yeah, when I present a project like this, that we need to build a parking lot, I hope that you're motivated to do that. I hope that you have a love for this church that says, I want to be a part of that. But I hope that's not the primary motivator. I hope the motivator in everything that we do, in every aspect of generosity in our lives is, God loves me. I want to express my love for him, and it's giving myself first to the Lord. Um, that's so important. And I think that's especially important in the culture that we are in because, let me give you an example. Again, I'm sharing a lot of my own story today, but just in my own life, one of the things that we've chosen to do that I know many of you have as well is we do our, our giving through automated, you know, just kind of set up so that it happens automatically. And there's good and bad that comes from that. You know, the good is that you're able to make a plan in advance and practice what the, the Bible calls first fruits giving, meaning that whenever we get paid, the first thing that happens is we give, you know, and that's set up. So on the same day, those two things happen, and you don't ever have to worry about, am I going to do this, am I not going to do it, or whatever. It's like predetermined, right? So that's a good thing. That can be an act of faith. The downside is because it just happens automatically, sometimes I can miss that connection between my giving and my worship, right? And so it's finding ways to be intentional, 
even in a, in a worship gathering of, okay, my giving is part of my worship. It's just reminding you it's not happening in that exact moment. But tying those things together is so very important. And I would encourage you, whatever it looks like for you, to make sure that you are tying your generosity to an expression of, of love for God, an expression of worship, and not just let it kind of happen without giving any thought to it. The church here, it seems, was just you know saying that their, their generosity was their way of loving God wholeheartedly. And so I want to ask you a question, and I'd encourage you to give some thought to this. Is your monetary giving an expression of the fact that you have given yourself fully to God? Let me say that again. Is your monetary giving an expression of the fact that you've given yourself fully to God? And that can work both ways, by the way. That can be, you know, I'm not giving much, and that's not a good reflection of my love for God. Or it could even be I'm giving very consistently, but I'm not really giving myself to God fully, that this is a way for me to just kind of check a box without fully devoting myself. So that could go either way. I'd encourage you to give some thought to that. All right, let's read verse 7, and then we'll close with one last thought here. Verse 7 says, But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Last thing I want to point out to you today is that I want to encourage you to seek to excel in the grace of giving. He says, as you excel in other areas of your life. Have you ever noticed how most of us probably have an understanding of the importance of excelling in different areas of our life, such as, I mean, the things he mentions here are, are things like in your speech, in your faith, in your knowledge, you know, maybe learning more of God's word, earnestness, love. We want to grow in those areas, right? And we may even have an intentional plan. I spend time with God every day. I pray. I'm seeking to grow in these areas. How many of you have an intentional plan to grow in the grace of giving. That that's just, you view that as part of your discipleship. Like, I know what my plan is to help me grow in my faith. This is how I'm growing in my giving. And I want to encourage you to do that. Um, and, and I want to encourage you to do this. Um, start somewhere. Uh, if, if it's that you don't give at all, start giving something consistently. If it's, you know, I give 2% of my income, well, maybe next year it can be 4%. And Maybe after that, you can go from four to six and six to eight. You know, just some plan that there's an opportunity to grow. But then let me encourage you in this as well, because a lot of us, you know, would look at Scripture. and The Bible talks a lot about a tithe, which means 10%. We may think, well, when I get to 10%, then I'm done. Right? I'm good. No. Even in that point, we need a plan of how to grow in our faith. The tithe is, is the floor, not the ceiling. And I think that's how we should view that. But the Macedonians, they were so eager to give because it was a way for them to express their love for God. Now, let me finish with a story of, you know, things that would motivate us. Again, I, I hope first and foremost that our giving is just simply a way to say, God, I, I want to grow in my faith and I want to express my love for you. But when they give, they were also meeting a real need here. You know, they were helping other believers to have what they needed to survive and when we can tie our generosity to real, impactful life change, that really helps. So let me share a story. There's a couple in our church that Sean and I had dinner with a few weeks ago, and the husband was sharing with me, and he said, you know, they've been coming to church for years, but he's like, I just, his phrase, I just feel like I haven't surrendered myself fully to God, and I don't know how to do that. I don't know what that looks like. And I said, well, let's start meeting. Let's get together. And so we, we started getting together, and 
reading scripture together and talking about, you know, starting with the gospels and things like that. And then again, just this past week, again, he said, you know, I just don't feel like I've surrendered myself fully to God. And I said, well, do you want to? He said, yeah. I said, you want to do that right now? And he said, yeah, I do. I said, great. You want to pray? He said, yeah. And proceeded to pray just the, the most earnest, sincere prayer of God. I'm giving myself fully to you. Jesus, I'm trusting you with everything that I have. It was beautiful, beautiful prayer. But it was a reminder to me, that's why we do what we do, right? This is somebody that's been in our church for several years. But it's been a process and will continue to be a process of growth. But it also made me wonder, how many people right around us that live within minutes of our church, thousands of people, that haven't yet come to that point of saying, I need to surrender myself fully to God. How many people either don't know Christ or they're, they're just infants in their faith and they need that gospel message? That's what this is about today. It's about us growing. It's about us having an opportunity to trust God in an area of our lives that can be scary. But it's also about us doing everything we can to make sure that we are providing opportunities for people to say, I am giving myself fully to God. Let's pray. Lord, that's my prayer today, that we see that type of fruit, that we see um, lives of people that are trusting you wholeheartedly. Lord, I pray for those in this community that are not part of a church family, maybe that don't know you yet. God, give us opportunities. Open the right doors and Lord, I pray just the logistics of working out the details so that we can continue to grow and reach people and at the same time disciple our people well, Lord. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.